0: I, uh, as always, thank you, Brother Bill. Thank you, Brother Trevor. I want to begin by, of course, giving honor to Pastor and Sister Ginger, even though they're not here. We love them a ton. I, I mean, we, we really, really do. Um, and you should feel free, feel free to be seated. I don't want you to stand. It's Wednesday night. This is a time of rest. We've made it through halfway of the week got to rest those legs so we have enough power to get through Thursday and Friday. Um, We love Pastor and Sister Ginger. I've been a part of a lot of churches growing up, and I know as many of you as uh, can confirm, it's rare to find a pastor and wife combo that is the complete package that's 100% dedicated to the church, um, but also down to earth and relatable and friendly and sincere and genuine. You know, sometimes we... We really desire to have in our friends but but we don't and and they're all of those things so we're very blessed to have pastor and sister ginger here at truth church and i give honor to them as many of you know um over the past year i've i've become fascinated with a particular type of cattle called the texas longhorn i um i'm not uh obviously i'm not an aggie um i'm also not uh (laughs) And no offense, Brother Luke, it's a wonderful institution, great football program usually when they have a good head coach. Um, But I... uh, (laughs) I, uh, I, I've grown fascinated by Texas Longhorns. I'm not a cattle guy. I wasn't raised on a farm or a ranch. Um, But I first began thinking about livestock because I was looking for something that would mow the grass. Um, You know, we've got a few acres and depending on how tall the grass gets, it can take a few hours to mow. And so I was hoping to cut down on mowing time. But if we were going to have livestock, I I really wanted to be able to enjoy looking at them and caring for them while doing as little work as possible uh, to maintain them. And so I plugged all of these search terms into Google. Uh, I, I put livestock to mow grass. I put pretty. I put low maintenance. And I, I started getting these search returns for Texas Longhorns. Um, they're pretty. They're very low maintenance, and they'll eat. This is the best part. They'll eat anything. Like as a breed, they just like they they love. Right now, they're taking after our tree branches. They love leaves in the trees, and they've got these long horns that they can bring the trees down, the, the tree limbs down with their horns, and they'll get the they'll get the leaves. And it, it's just they're. <laughs> doesn't matter what you put in front of them they're gonna eat it and that was awesome so I took my petition to Bailey as every good husband does I presented my case on why we needed a few Texas Longhorns um, like all good wives and smart people she was skeptical uh, but she agreed to go along with my crazy plan. so just over a year's, we've got our oldest his name is mazel Tov. he's a he's a four-year old um, some of you will enjoy that play on words that is all Bailey Bailey is like She's got, she's got jokes. Uh, if you haven't talked to her, she's got jokes. He's got a famous dad whose name, uh, grandfather, whose name was Cowboy Tough Checks, And so uh, we borrowed the tough, and, and she came up with Mazda Tough. Um, he's four years old. We've got Beatbox, who is three years old. He's got a dad. His name is Dropbox. And um, Bailey is actually a really good beatboxer, if you catch her on a good day. So uh, that's Beatbox. We've got Southern Crawl. He's also three years old. Um, And then we've got Fitly Spoken. We call him Fitz. He's one and a half. He's our little baby. Um, What any Longhorn owner will tell you, though, is that there's sort of an addiction. um, Because each Longhorn looks different and is unique, and so you often find yourself wanting just one more Longhorn. Um, And so that's why I found myself a few weeks ago on the road to Amarillo at 3 in the morning, Um, there's a massive longhorn ranch there on the outskirts of Amarillo and they were selling a baby steer that was one of the most beautiful longhorns I'd ever seen. Um, and I think we have a picture of him here. This guy's name is Joker. He asked me to say tonight, uh, that, that he already knows what he's going as for Halloween. He's going to be a Dalmatian. Um, well, I say little, he's about 400 pounds, um, he's very dense. But he's gorgeous. So anyways, I drove all the way to Amarillo to pick up Joker and I promise I'm not going to stand here all night and tell you Longhorn stories. But the reason, the reason I'm talking about this Amarillo trip is that this ranch is home to some of the most famous Longhorns in the world. And uh, while I was there, the ranch manager took me around the property in a side-by-side to look at cows and I'll just show you a picture of one for the sake of time this girl's name is Silent Iron and that's her uh, they've got about 3,000 acres out there and she's there on one of the hills the ranch purchased Silent Iron for over half a million dollars half a million dollars so I took that picture I came back and I showed Bailey Bailey's picture and she shook her head and she said it's just a cow and I said, "Well, she has some crazy horn growth, she, beautiful twist in her horns, beautiful body. Her genetics are very, very valuable, and so she's going to pass those down to her her progeny. But Bailey looked at me like many of you are looking at me, and she's like, "A half million dollars. it's just a cow. It is just a cow home. <laughs> It's just a cow, So those words... Ever since that moment, those words stuck with me. And I was thinking about tonight and began to think about some examples of cattle in the Bible where if those cattle could talk, they might say, I'm just a cow. I'm just a cow. But God, being God, had special plans for them. And I think we may question sometimes whether we're worth anything or have any purpose in life. I'm just an ordinary human, I think we sometimes tell ourselves. But if we serve a God that takes care of every single cow in the pasture and knows every cow by name, how much more will he take care of us, humans that he created in his own image? And so for the next few minutes, I want to speak on that very, very simple topic. I'm just a cow. I'm just a cow. Would you pray with me one more time, very briefly, for God's hand on this service. Mighty God, I I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to speak tonight, Jesus. And I pray that your word would come alive, God. Lord, that your word would speak through us, God. That your word would encourage us, Lord. Lord, that the stories that have been placed in your word, Lord, would be an inspiration to us, God. And would make us realize, Lord, that we're, we're much more than ordinary humans, God. We're humans created in your own image and your own likeness. And you know us by name, mighty God. Lord, I thank you for your hand on this service and for touching us in this way. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Cattle. Cattle are commonplace in the Bible. They're mentioned about 133 times. And we begin to read about them from the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, God is in creation mode. And in verses 24 and 25, he says, Let the earth bring forth a living creature out of his, after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. God saw that his creation was good. Most often in the Bible, we read about cattle in the context of sacrifices in the Old Testament as the children of Israel offered burnt offerings to God. And some might say, you know, that was the original meat sweats. And I'll take this opportunity to plug our meat sweats small group, which will gather on November 3rd at Brother Bill and Sister Delisa's house. If you've got a hankering for meat... And you don't mind meat sweats, um, please join us on November 3rd. That was the original meat sweats, these, these sacrifices in the Bible. But there are a number of other stories that demonstrate the unique care and love that God has for cattle and the special roles that they played in the Bible. Let me start with Jonah's story and the cow that saved Nineveh. As, as kids, we learned the important parts of this story. You know, in Jonah 1, God calls Jonah to go preach in a city called Nineveh. He says, I've determined that Nineveh is wicked and I'm going to destroy Nineveh. Go tell them my message. Jonah says, No way. He ran away from God. He boarded a ship and he fell asleep. And he's snoring below deck. And sailors run down and shake him awake. And they say, How can you be asleep? We're in the middle of this massive storm. We're going to die. How are you asleep? And Jonah, when he woke up, he knew why a storm was attacking that boat. And so he told the sailors to throw him into the sea, and the storm would subside. So they threw him overboard. The storm subsided. And we know the story here. This is the famous part. A great fish swallows Jonah. Jonah prays to God. The fish spits Jonah out on dry land. And again, God calls Jonah to preach to Nineveh. And this time, Jonah obeys. He goes to Nineveh, and he tells the people that God will destroy this city for its wickedness. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, at this point in the story, my memory of the story gets a little hazy because the pig fish, the big whale is no longer part of the story. But the people of Nineveh were receptive to Jonah's preaching, and they began a fast. And the king instructed that both humans and animals fast food and water the king also instructed that the people put on sackcloth that rough garment that was a sign of mourning and submission and not only that but the king also instructed that the animals in Nineveh themselves likewise be covered in sackcloth and so everyone complied and the people of Nineveh began to cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness and the Bible says that God heard that cry he heard their cry he had mercy and he changed his mind. He decided not to destroy Nineveh. And at this point, Jonah's human. Jonah got angry. He said, God, why did you bring me out here all the way to preach hellfire and damnation? And then you change your mind. You're not going to destroy them. Why, why don't you destroy them? And God said, no, I've made up my mind. And the very last verse is the one that I want to focus on tonight. Very last verse in Jonah. It's Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, that has God's response to Jonah he says should I not spare Nineveh that great city we're in are more than six score thousand persons more than a hundred thousand people that can't tell the right hand from the left hand and also much cattle and also much cattle God said the people of Nineveh are worth saving because they're humans they're confused they've cried out to me for mercy but then God said why shouldn't I also save Nineveh because they have much cattle, and I I have to think that when Jonah came to town, there was probably one or two well-fed cows that had been living the dream there in Nineveh, and when the king heard Jonah's preaching, the king ordered everyone to fast food and water, cattle included, and if you know cows, you know they need dozens of gallons of water each day, you know they need 20 to 40 pounds of feed each day, and this cow got nothing. And so when God heard the cry from the people of Nineveh, sure, he saw their hunger, he saw their repentance, but he also saw a gaunt cow that hadn't had food or water for days. And he saw her skin and her bones covered in rough and uncomfortable sackcloth that her owner had placed on her at the king's command. And God had mercy on that cow. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, it would have been enough for God to say... That The people of Nineveh themselves are worth saving, and that's why I've changed my mind. But he didn't stop there. He said, why shouldn't I also save Nineveh because they have much cattle? Rather than say, that cow is just a cow, God had mercy on her. We see that same kind of mercy in Exodus chapter 9 with the cow that survived death. This cow was owned by the children of Israel who were held captive in Egypt it grazed in a herd of Israelite cattle, and those cattle in turn grazed alongside cattle owned by the Egyptians. They ate the same food, they drank the same water, they breathed the same air. This cow was just a cow, but she would be a key part of God's plan to rescue the children of Israel from bondage. And the context here is familiar. Moses has been warning Pharaoh that God will rain down plagues on Egypt if Pharaoh does not let the children of Israel go free. And by the time we get to Exodus chapter 9, Egypt has been hit with water turning into blood, they've been hit with frogs, they've been hit with lice, they've been hit with flies. And so in Exodus chapter 9, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh one more time and tell him that if he doesn't let my people go, there will be another plague. In verse 3, he tells Pharaoh, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field. Upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. And there shall be a very grievous murrain. A murrain is an infectious disease in cattle that spreads like wildfire among herds. And in verse 4 he says, The Lord shall sever, shall cut between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. If you skip down to verses 6 and 8, the Bible says the Lord kept his word. The next morning, all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle, of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And I have to think that, you know, that Israelite cow woke up the next morning and said, what in the world happened? I eat the same grass that the cow next to me eats. I drink the same water she drinks, I breathe the same air she breathes, but she didn't wake up. Why did I survive and not her? I'm just a cow. But God said, you're not just a cow. You're a cow of the children of Israel. And my promise was to separate the cattle of Israel from the cattle of Egypt and to protect the cattle of Israel so that not a single one would die. God protected that cow as part of his plan to force Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. One more example, God's special mercy on cattle extends all the way back to the beginning, and in particular, the cow that, that God remembered. In, book, in the book of Genesis, God is in creation mode again. You know, He creates mankind, but after a few years, mankind turns wicked, as our sinful nature does. And so God promises to destroy Mankind and every living thing on the earth. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And so the familiar story goes, God instructs Noah to build an ark that will save his family and the animals from the coming flood. And the flood came. Genesis says that every living thing that moved on the earth, including all cattle, died. Save only those alive in the ark. And so when we turn to Genesis chapter 8, Noah... His family, the animals have been in the ark for around six months. And Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says that after all that time, God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made the wind to pass over the earth and he made the waters to subside. That verse strikes me because, I mean, it says God remembered Noah. But that's not surprising. We know that Noah found grace in God's eyes, and so it makes sense that Noah was on God's mind. But the verse really strikes me because it goes out of its way to say that God also remembered all the cattle that were with Noah on that ark. He remembered the cattle, the ancestors of that Israelite cow in Egypt who would be a part of God's plan to save Israel. He remembered the ancestors of that cow in Nineveh. That would fast and wear sackcloth and obtain God's mercy on the city of Nineveh. And I imagine that the cow in that ark might have said, out of all the animals and other living creatures in this boat, I'm just a cow. But God specifically made a note to say, and yet I still remember you. Now, at this point, you might say, Brother Ben, why are you talking to us about cows? We're humans, not cows. And I would say you're exactly right. We are humans, not cows. And if the Bible says that this I'm just a cow mentality is wrong for the cows themselves, that kind of mentality, I'm just an ordinary human, is wrong also for us as humans. God created men to govern other creatures, including cattle. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, In verse 26, God is saying, let's make man in our image, and let's give man dominion over the cattle. And so that's what he does. In verse 27, God creates man in his own image. It says, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. And then in verse 28, it says, God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion of the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In other words, we have dominion over the cattle, the same cattle in the ark, the same cattle in Egypt, the same cattle in Nineveh, the same cattle that God identified for special treatment. And if God identifies those cattle as special, then so too he has identified us, the people to whom he entrusted the care of those cattle, as special. I'm reminded of a familiar passage in the Bible. It's not about cows, it's about birds. In in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're doubting themselves, they're doubting their salvation and in verse 6 he asks, "Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings?" In other words, aren't five sparrows worth basically nothing? And yet, not one of them is forgotten before God goes on to say in verse 7 that even the very hairs of your head are all numbered fear not therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows and how much more true is that of cattle i mean a cow surely is worth far more than five sparrows maybe even 500 sparrows and so just as not one of the sparrows is forgotten before god so too not one cow is forgotten before god and just as one cow is not forgotten before God, so too you and I are not forgotten. They're not just cows. We are not just humans. When I was in Amarillo running around that ranch, I, uh, and we're looking at longhorns and something really interesting happened during that time we'd go from pasture to pasture and the the ranch manager would point out the most expensive cows. You know, Silent Iron, a half million dollars, many others like her. We also saw a bull that is going to set the record here soon in the Guinness Book of World Records for longest horned bull in the world. Um, but despite all that, they had so many cows that he couldn't remember all of their names. Maybe some were worth only 100,000. Maybe some were worth only 50,000 or maybe they had just bought some for five or 10,000. They were all just cows as far as the ranch was concerned. And so he would pull out his iPhone every time we had a question about, you know, who, who's this cow and, you know, who's her dad, who's her mom. Um, he would pull out his iPhone, he would type in their ear tag numbers, and he would pull up their profile to recall who they were. And in that moment, time slowed down for me because I remembered Psalms chapter 50, verse 10, which says, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I thought, man, I can't imagine God having to ride around on each of these hills trying to remember which cow is which. Maybe being able to identify the multi-million dollar cow but having no clue what the name of the $1000 cow is. And in the same way, God says that we are special to God. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says, "Fear not, for I have redeemed you i have called you not just by any name i have called you by name and you are mine jeremiah 29:11 says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans for for welfare not for evil to give you a future and a hope and then that famous verse in john chapter 10 verse 14 that says i am the good shepherd i know my own and my own know me there there was a funny commercial A few years ago with Cookie Monster, he's trying out an iPhone for the first time with Siri. And so he taps on the phone and he says, hey, Siri, are you in there? And Siri says, hey, Cookie Monster. And Cookie Monster's jaw just drops. He says, you know me. And he looks at somebody else in the room he says, she know me. And I think that's exactly the case in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He knows me. He knows you. We're not just ordinary humans on earth. So what are you trying to say, Brother Ben? I'm trying to say that if you feel ordinary, if you feel like there's nothing special about you, if you feel like no one sees you or understands you, if you feel like some random cow out in the pasture, how they feel when someone says, that's just a cow, I'm trying to say that that just a cow mentality is wrong and you should reject it. God knows the number of hairs on any cow's hide just like he knows the number of hairs on your head and on my head. And when he looks at each cow on a thousand hills, he says, that's not just a cow. That's my cow. And I know its name. I know when it was born. I know its strengths. I know its weaknesses. When he looks at you, Brother Trevor, he says, that's not just an ordinary man. That's my son. His name is Trevor Allen. He sits on the front row every service. He leads by example in worship and prayer. He encourages his brothers and sisters, we aren't just ordinary people. We are the sons and daughters of God, and he knows us by name. Would you stand with me? I know this was very short, but I, the, the, the topic itself was very simple. I, that's just a cow. Bailey was exactly right to say it's beyond crazy to pay a half million dollars for a cow. But can I tell you that in God's world, every cow is a million-dollar cow? Yeah. Every human is a billion dollar human because we're all God's creation and there is no such thing as just a cow or just an ordinary human. We are God's handiwork and there is no place for a just a cow mentality. And so I don't know where life finds you tonight. Maybe you've been beaten down by uh, friends and family. Maybe you've been beaten down by stress. Maybe like me, you've been beaten down by work or maybe doubt has creeped into your mind, and you're questioning your self-worth, your abilities, your purpose in life. I, I think similar questions might have gone through the mind of that cow in the dark stall in the ark who didn't know if she'd ever see the light of day again, didn't know if she'd ever breathe fresh air again, but God remembered her. I think the same questions might have gone through the mind of the cow in Nineveh who had no food and water for days, was covered in sackcloth but God had mercy on her. And so in the same way tonight as we close in prayer, can I, can I pray for you and can we pray together that, that God would strip away every voice that says you're ordinary, you're just a human. That God would renew his promise that he knows you, he has called you by name. And that together we can conquer this just a cow mentality. Can we pray that uh, sincerely to God tonight? Mighty God. Lord, we lay before you your promises, God. Your word says that I'm no ordinary person, God. Your word says that my brother and my sister in this house tonight, they're not ordinary. They're not purposeless. They're not a sea, a drift at sea with no sense of direction. God, you know every single person by name. And God, the same promise that you said that you'd not forget a sparrow that falls, God, that you know a cow, every cow by name on a thousand hills, God. How much more is that promise real to me and to every single person here at Truth Church, God? And so I rebuke, Lord, every spirit that would creep into the minds of my brothers and sisters that would say, Gosh, I've got nothing to do here in life on earth. Why am I here? I'm just ordinary. There's nothing more to me. There's nothing more to my future. God, that is not the promise in your word. And I I claim a renewing of that promise in your word, which is that... We are special, God. You know us, you called us by name, and you know the plans that you have for us, mighty God. And so I rebuke every simple attack of the enemy that comes against us and says, We can't be who you've promised that we will be, God. Just as cows are not just cows, we are not just humans. And I claim, God, I claim our special right, Lord, as humans created in your own image, in your likeness, God. You made us like you so that we could worship you and bring glory to you. And God, let us fulfill that promise, Lord, today.